welcome to another episode of the Mountain Ground Podcast. And as always, we have uh, Frederik, Peter from Gegroen, Nicolette and myself on board. Um, this is our fifth episode, so we're very happy things are getting going. And it's all about getting your fix. Getting your caffeine fix through the AeroPress. Getting your caffeine and adventure fix in the mountains through taking your AeroPress out there and learning how to make it. Um, and Nicolette is also going to talk a bit about um, caffeine and actually what it does to performance and how it can enhance your performance. And as always, the little Dex dog is in the background being very, very uh, energetic. I think he might have chewed on some grown coffee beans. But um, yeah, so without further ado, I'm going to hand over to um, the guys from Gegrond because uh, they've got uh, they've got a full a full set with regards to the AeroPress today. And I'm like, this is the episode I've been looking forward to. Like, I'm really, really excited to learn more about the AeroPress and just how it can serve my my purposes in the mountain. So, Frederick, Peter, it's all yours. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh... Yeah, it's always like uh, catching up with you and um, yeah, I think uh, after our discussions the last four episodes, the AeroPress was a prominent uh, topic to be discussed, so I'm glad we, we're going to dive into it. Uh, I know Frederick, uh, he's quite, uh, he quite enjoys his history and uh, so I'm going to give over to Frederick so he can give us a bit of a chat on <laughs> how the AeroPress actually started, which isn't your conventional way of uh, starting or developing a coffee component or uh, maker, so to speak. So, <laughs> so I'm sure you guys will find it quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, hi everyone. It's... Uh... It's good to be here again. Um, I think every podcast, it seems like we we touch on the AeroPress and then we say, no, let's leave it for a different podcast. But I'm glad we actually got to it because it's definitely one of my favorite methods of brewing. Um, and I know Peter <laughs> Peter is also quite stoked for an AeroPress. Um, but yeah, so actually, there's, there's actually an, an AeroPress history video a movie that was made um i watched it a while ago but i need to brush up on on the history a little bit for this podcast but uh it's a really interesting uh piece of equipment and the history itself is also quite unique um it's it's not a very old invention it was actually launched in in november 2005 um in seattle at the coffee fest trade show if the Inventor Alan Adler, being an American inventor, is, is uh, quite—he's he, achieved quite a ripe age when he invented the the AeroPress. But um, he didn't actually intend to invent a new product in its entirety. But he actually just wanted to enable himself to to brew a proper cup of coffee at home. Um, so he, he, he started working on the AeroPress in 2004 and he had it in time for November 2005. He actually had it already made. So he is an inventor, but he's an inventor of toys. Um, he actually made an aerobi flying ring that set the Guinness World Record for item with the first distance flown, which was 406 meters now. I know a while ago, I think it was in September 2020. 
Yeah, September 2020, I think I, I almost um, broke that record with my AeroPress <laughs> by accidentally almost dropping it from, from the Dragonsberg. <laughs> but uh, luckily that did not happen. I still had my coffee. But the AeroPress is a, a simple design. It, it resembles a, a syringe and consists of an open-ended cylindrical chamber. Uh, and also a cylindrical plunger with an airtight rubber seal. So it's, it's very much like a syringe. Um, the, the other end of the open in its chamber has a filter cap and then you just fill it with uh, paper filters or a stainless filter. Um, so it works a lot like uh, a plunger. Very similar, it, it just gets a lot of pressure added as well. So um yeah so i mean yes. like um you know if you say it works like i think one thing to just you know add to to that point uh you know it might work a lot like a, a plunger but i think there's like sometimes a perception that you know it's like a a <laughs> it's basically a replacement for an espresso machine which i just want to state for the record it is not like you cannot Humanly possible, get the amount of pressure in the aeropress that you would get with a espresso machine. So, uh, I think, you know, if memory serves correctly, espresso is about nine um, bars of pressure. And um, I th the, the aeropress is about uh, half a bar to, um, to about 0 0.7 uh, bars of pressure, which we'll get later, uh, a bit later in this podcast, we'll discuss the amount of pressure you need to add. But uh, I thought it might just be a, a, a quick point that I'd like to add. Peter, the, the, so the design of the AeroPress is actually, it's inspired a lot of people to invent like uh, accessories for it. And, and there's, there's people that made something to increase the pressure to get it a bit more espresso-like. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called. But yeah, it's just it just changes the um, the filter part to to withstand a bit more pressure before releasing the, the coffee abruptly. So that's quite uh, that's quite cool. But yeah, <laughs> you won't get a proper espresso, a proper espresso. Um, yeah, it took after he actually launched it in two thousand and five. It it only took three years before they started with the Aeropress Championship. But um, he, he didn't know about it. He actually, it wasn't planned. It actually was started by a guy, Tim Vaney, Varney, um, who just started the championship in his small cafe in Oslo, the capital of Norway. And uh, he had a full house of three competitors back in 2008. But um, he's been going at the championship and he's still the guy that organizes the championship. And these days he gets more than 3,500 competitors per year. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a brewer with incredible versatility. And it also is getting a lot of people excited about coffee. And uh, I think that's, that's really valuable. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, that's I, when we discuss a bit more about the recipes and how you can actually use the AeroPress, you know, it's so, it, <laughs> I really need to have a bit of a think how we're going to really get the point across that the AeroPress is a very versatile piece of, of, of equipment. And for that reason, 
we try to give you a few tools that you can use. Um, we will get to our recipe and something that I use in my daily life um, and I find quite simplistic um, as just a takeaway. But, you know, we, we want to encourage our listeners to really experiment with it. Um, I mean, we've in the past, you know, we've discussed things like, you know, the grind size and, you know, how that impacts coffee. We talked about uh, coffee ratios and, you know, the golden uh, 60 grams to one liter. Um, and, you know, I think we want to try and bring that all together in a different, in a few different ways to prepare coffee. But, you know, for, for today, yes, like a beer. <laughs> Yeah, exactly there where you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just quickly <laughs> um, before you, you go on further. I just wanted to exactly that what you just said there about, you know, how you use it in your everyday life and how, you know, it's such a versatile and really nice piece of equipment. And um, yes, I can like geek out on a lot of coffee things, especially when I used to fly. You know, I was I didn't, you know, pilots don't really work much. So I had a lot of time to spend a lot of effort on making coffee <laughs> but now sometimes i just you know just quickly want my coffee fix a good coffee fix before i head off into the mountains or if i'm up there i just want to have a really so it would be amazing if you guys can do a you know that like when also when you're making coffee for people you know they want to wait for hours and hours or i'm exaggerating now with hours but you know like 10 minutes for a cup of coffee and that's where I found the AeroPress is actually nice. Like I can really just heat the water, put it in, but I don't think I'm getting the best or the most out of my AeroPress. And that's why I'm really like, yeah, keen to see where is, you take it with us. So, so yes. Pierre, uh, is it because you're in the aviation history that you chose the AeroPress as your preferred method of brewing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we funny, need those <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sharp, eh? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's like you say, what's nice about the Aeropace is the simplicity of it. And, um, you know, once you really get to use it, it's it's pretty, you know, it's really pretty simple. Um, there's, there's two ways in which you can really prepare it. Um, one is called the inverted method and one is just the standard, you know, as per the instruction manual that they give you. Um, so, you know, there's actually, uh, James Hoffman actually is a really good guy to follow on, on, you know, not generally, well, obviously to broaden your coffee knowledge, but he does make some good points. And, uh, in one of his videos, he actually did a bit of a comparison between the inverted method and just a normal way of preparing a coffee. So according to him, it basically doesn't make a big difference, but you know, what I found personally was that. Um, I, I use the inverted method for the simple reason that, you know, I basically why I use it is that once you, if you use the standard method and you don't use your plunger, which is the back thing that you push, push into the chamber quickly enough so that there's a vacuum forming and it doesn't drip all, all the way through, uh, you know, you, you do get a bit of an uneven extraction. Um, so, you know, I... I personally like the inverted way of, of, of brewing. I can add my coffee um, in at the top and then basically add the water. So um, the inverted method is basically the plunger is at the bottom and then the chamber is, is over the plunger and you know you can just add your, your coffee uh, to the top. 
so um you know so that that again that gives you a bit of versatility when it comes to you know different ways of of cutting your cloth as they speak um so and then the second point is that i think it's really important to know if the aeropress is the amount of pressure that you actually apply so the principle of the aeropress is if you take it through steps is you have your you have your plunger chamber you add your coffee you basically um stir it which i'll explain later and then add the water put on the cap and then you push it down so what we discuss now is the amount of pressure that you actually need to um to basically push down that plunger so what i found was that people generally using an enterprise tend to think in the mindset of a pressure the harder the better and that's not at all the case i think you need to think um more towards smoothness and that you would like a even extraction and to do that you just really want to apply a constant almost like a lower level of, of pressure which i found and i think it's one of that um was uh, the inventor alan yeah alan 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 adler alan adler alan adler um he basically yeah. you know he's he brought in where you can just put your forearm at the top of the air press and you you know just use the weight of your forearms to to push it down and i would agree like i've personally found that you really get the best effect if you push too hard there's little portions of there's a little material portions of the coffee that actually goes through the filter and the filter is quite light and you know thin so so yeah that's pretty much you know what i would go for and i would usually that pressure should be sufficient for you to press down um within 30 seconds like a beer <laughs> okay peter yeah like you actually just answered my question also there like how long because i know the bialetti or the mocha pot um you know i have time that i wanted to percolate before i stop it or where it should sufficiently have run through same with the uh, espresso machines you know you have your time for what you're letting it run or pouring the shot um so yeah that's kind of what i was asking with the aeropress like how long yeah should it take and then also and i know you probably are gonna cover this at some point but i thought i'll just ask so well as so as long as well um, the pressure that you're feeling obviously when you're pushing it down when you're plunging it how much does the amount of coffee, because obviously if you put a ton of coffee in the AeroPress, there's a lot of, uh, you know, particles that the water needs to push through. So you're probably going to feel more pressure um, where if you don't put a lot through, obviously it will be easier. Um, so the amount of coffee is, ob- is probably the most critical part with regards to how much pressure you're going to have. Yeah, I think it's it's that's one element of it, but I also think it's how fine the coffee has been uh, grinded. Um, so how coarse your coffee is that that also has a big impact in terms of of the amount of pressure and also the water temperature. So there's a few factors that that actually does play a role in it. But I I would say that as a starting point, because um, your recipe, like we discussed last time, your ratio should be fairly consistent um that's almost like the last step that you want to change so you know i i'll still go for a you know 60 to to one liter ratio for the for the air press um and 
basically so that's so that's a consistent and if you find that you you need to really push down hard then i would look at um either grinding a bit more course so um yeah so that that's one element of it and you know like i said what i'd usually use in a in an aeropress is about 15 grams of coffee we had a recipe two years ago it was 2020 december or november um i think that recipe was on the 8th of november which we have a nice little recipe set out there but um back then i was still of the mind so i liked 18 grams because i basically yeah I, I diluted it a little bit so you can play around with it but for this episode We'll stick to the 15 grams and then i usually add 200 milliliters of water um so how i usually go about that is that i would for the first 30 seconds i would add my hot water and then i'll keep stirring it i'll just keep so i'll add like 50 60 mils of water keep stirring it until 30 seconds then add more water until i have 200 milliliters in total and then you know after a minute i'll start actually pressing it down um, so that I'm finished almost like in a minute and 30 seconds that gives you I must say that gives you a fairly acidic, acidic type of coffee um, I I do I'm quite a fan of acidity some people yeah if you get it wrong it might actually lean a bit too, too soury but if like there's a few things again that plays a role the the, the, the if it's a a well-developed coffee so if it's a dark roast then you know it might not get that full effect but if you find that it's maybe a bit too acidic acidic then i would leave the coffee for a minute and a half rather than a minute before pressing down and i think you're going to find that makes a big difference um and then on top of that what i'd also do is i would maybe grind my coffee a bit finer so so that's pretty much you know the the, the, the few takeaways that i can give today is that Keep to your ratio, which you discussed last week, 1 to 60. That's 50 grams of coffee with 200 milliliters of, of, 200 milliliters of, of uh, water. So, yeah, that is, that actually gives you a little bit less now that I do the maths. <laughs> so, 15 grams and 200 milliliters of water. Well, that's five. So, that's actually a bit more. So, that's 75 yeah, that's 75 to one liter so it's a little bit of a higher ratio um so that's the one that i use so um but yeah you can obviously experiment with that a little bit yeah so um so yeah i think that basically i hope that that gives everyone a little bit of an insight into you know how i prepare my aeropress recipe and then you know i think in the next episodes we can discuss things like for example how stirring influences your you know the flavor like for example if you agitate it a lot more then obviously your extraction is higher and you know what that actually does in terms of maybe diluting it afterwards so you know there's so much in terms of the aeropress that you know we're not going to be able to cover the full spectrum in today's episode but what i want to walk what i want you to walk away with yes Pierre. No, 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 carry on. Finish your, your thought there. <laughs> I was going to just, uh, yeah, I was just going to ask. So finish your thought and I, you might answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I want to you to work with today is that, you know, uh, 
start off stick to your ratio we just said like you know uh a 60 to 1 1 liter ratio is perfectly fine you know you can start off with that i've just tailored my recipes to be more like a 75 to 1 liter that works really well for me um and that you know you can add to that say 50 milliliters of water stir it for 30 seconds top it up to 200 milliliters of water and start pushing down at one minute or one minute 30 seconds and see why wow, you like that recipe and then next week you'll discuss ways in which you can alter it uh, and remember the pressure that you apply make sure that it's not excessive meaning that just use the weight of your forearms to to push down so i think that pretty much is <laughs> that's everything for today's episode on the airpace does that answer your question pierre yeah no it's exactly what i wanted like from this is like you know it's it's always like a lot of times we get information overloaded and before we know it we need to have thermometers and um proper like food scales and everything and then it's just too much and we end up not like bothering so that's exactly what i wanted from this episode was what is the basics i need to know to make a decent aeropress you know like gegrond's aeropress or peter's aeropress whatever you know and then once i've now gone home and made my aeropress a few times i can then now come and say okay you know now i want to um, geek out a bit and give me all the you know other intricacies about the aeropress so i think for this episode it's actually perfect what you've just um covered and in the next one i think we can now go practice a bit with what you've given us and we'll put the show in the show notes we'll put um peter's or Grod's recipe in there the basic one and then you know everyone can go home and you practice and we do get feedback from listeners and you know we can bring in some of those questions as well so no the next one i'm ready to um go into the more the details and the intricacies of the aeropress um and that's kind of i guess where it leads to next is you know, you have this aeropress now and it's such a versatile and we keep on raving about how lightweight and how nice that it's taking to the mountains. Um, and that's where caffeine, I guess, comes in with regards to performance because that's where we, me and Nicolette, and, you know, Peter and Fredericks also avid hikers and runners. But, you know, all of us athletes go out and really we can use caffeine to our advantage. And um, we've done through the night camps with athletes. And this weekend, again, we're on the DGT run camp. Um, where we'll go through the night from Monks Kyle to Giants Castle, hopefully. But it's all through the night as well. So can caffeine actually assist performance? And is it wise to use it? So on that note, I'll hand over to Nicolette. She's going to cover a few topics, a few points there. And um, yeah, Frederick, Peter, feel free to like ask a few questions if you do have. But yeah, Nicolette, brief us. Hey, guys. Sorry for my... What seems to be late joining, but in the background, I just entertain the Dex dog um, and puncture my, um, pr- plug my wounds <laughs> from trying to keep him quiet. It looks like carnage here in the background, so sorry for all the background noise as well. But yeah, in terms of caffeine, so great question. Does caffeine help with performance? And the answer is yes, it absolutely does. So I don't know when, but back in the day, caffeine was actually a banned substance, um, like other you know, certain EPO and performance enhancers that are not allowed in competition. Caffeine was on that list. Um, and then they they realized, I think it was difficult to regulate and it wasn't as potent as some of the other um, performance enhancers. And so they removed it from the, the banned list. But it definitely does still provide 
um, quite a, a kick and a, a performance boost. So you might be asking, you know, who's it relevant for? Is it your short distance runners, your 5Ks, your half marathon, full marathon or ultra trail? And the answer is everybody. So everyone can benefit from caffeine. For for most of us, um, it's just, you know, what we what we know caffeine to do is wake us up in the morning and help with our, our morning run. So without that caffeine boost before we go run, you might actually find that you, you feel quite tired. But we don't usually experiment with that. I think most of us enjoy our cup of coffee before we go for our morning run. Can you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> certainly the standard procedure on our side. Um, but how much coffee do you actually, or how much caffeine do you actually get from your morning cup of coffee in a, you know, a sports nutrition kind of perspective? And it's not that much. So one cup of coffee is about 95 milligrams of caffeine. And I'm not entirely sure how the, the AeroPress compares with that peter yeah i haven't actually looked into you know how much caffeine you'd actually uh get from an aeropress uh, obviously it depends on the amount of grams of coffee you use but what i can do is i'll take away and then next week i'll we can start the episode by giving everyone a bit of an update on how you know how um how much coffee you can maybe get from a gram of coffee so so yeah that's a good point i'll I'll take that away i always wonder you know when the the best time would be in a race or when training you know to actually consume caffeine if it's more towards the back end of long endurance runs or if it's you know if there's maybe if it's a shorter run before the event um but I think I, you'll touch on that a bit later. You can have your standard cup of coffee or if you want a performance enhancing energy gel or a stronger boost than a cup of coffee, you want to look to have that about 30 minutes before you start. So have your, your caffeine and then you know pack your gear, get ready and head out for your run. And by the time you've warmed up, you that caffeine should be in full force. The statistics say 30 minutes to two hours, but for your average person, it's 30 to 45 minutes. So, so Nicolette, I have something to ask or to say, and I'm not sure if it's appropriate or not, but I, I'm going to put it out there because I expect there's more people that ask the same question. Usually, like the caffeine has a bit of an effect on your metabolic like rate and it's usually a kickstarter for the day in multiple fronts um you know does caffeine actually have any <laughs> i need to ask it Pierre. you more people i'm sure there would be a few people who can relate you know once you have a cup of coffee you don't want to have it just before an event because you know that's going to kickstart a few fronts for you uh, when it comes to events or to training is that true or do you think it's a personal thing um i think for your average person it's quite true i haven't come across scientific information on that but i have read about it <laughs> and um yeah i think mo <laughs> most of us have that similar situation so the 30 minutes 
you know, every individual is also different in how they respond to caffeine and the amount that they require for it to enhance performance um, and also to cause a bowel movement before starting your race. But just you need to know that. So caffeine is something you definitely want to test in training. Um, you don't want to save your caffeine pills for your 100 miler um, you know, these things are going to be great and strong and I'm going to use them, you know, at 2 a.m. on my race, but I've never tested them. No, that's not how you want to use caffeine. So you definitely want to know how long before your training run, before your race, that you need to take them. Um, but I think 30 minutes for your average person will also be sufficient for your normal run. But then we move on to the ultra aspect and it's a little bit of a different story. So you don't want to be taking in caffeine in the beginning. You're definitely not the first half of any ultra um, or even a marathon. So you want to save your caffeine punch for the second half or the latter stages of your race. And then unfortunately, if you need the toilet, well, it was probably going to happen anyway. Um, so maybe you can even plan to take your caffeine pills, you know, 30 minutes out from the next aid station. That could be quite a clever one. But these things are difficult to prep um, and time exactly for an ultra run. And I think most of us are quite good at adapting on the trail and as we go. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just trying to, my computer just shut itself down. Um, but... So the exact amount of caffeine... Yeah, yeah. No, no, that was exactly the, the next question that I, that I had is, uh, you know, in terms of the amount of, of uh, coffee or caffeine that's, you know, appropriate. I actually, I just want to check here because I, uh, you know, I think I mentioned last week or the week before I have a long run or uh, actually uh, auto distance this weekend. And I've just checked these high five, uh, like, satches and they have... Let me just check. I think it's like 30 grams of caffeine. Uh, milligrams. It should be in uh, milligrams. Caffeine. Yeah, yeah, milligrams. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it's about 30 milligrams of caffeine per serving. Um, what would you recommend uh, for, for a long distance event? So there's two trains of thought. The one is that you select um your amount of caffeine based on your body weight so the the go-to number is two to six milligrams so if you want to just average that out about four milligrams per kilogram and you can then calculate that based on body weight otherwise um if you want to go on per time so for example you know in the second half of your marathon you want to take in per hour the advised number is 50 milligrams per hour um, but this is also again depends on the individual and what you've tested in training and what you know works for you and then just another a bit of a myth buster um, at one stage it was thought that you need to wean yourself off caffeine in the days leading up to your event or even weeks and I know a lot of triathletes and Ironman um, triathletes liked to do this so for about three weeks before their event they would not consume any caffeine at all not even a cup of coffee in the morning um, in order to have the caffeine work more effectively on the day now recent science has fortunately for most of us has proven that this is not necessary and caffeine does not become less efficient the more you use it 
so you don't have to worry um, and you don't have to go through those withdrawal symptoms and put your family through it as well, you can consume your normal caffeine um, per day right up to the race. One thing I would do with the caffeine and ultras is to not, you know, like especially like you say you're doing a hundred mile or whatever and you have to go through the night. I do stay away from, say, caffeine for the whole run, even if I'm, say, tired, like fatigued. I wait until I need it for alertness as well or if you're sleepy. So if you, say, navigating through the night, then you kind of, yeah, it's not physically tired because I'll rather save it for when I'm not feeling very alert. And then, especially if it's a self-navigational kind of thing, and you actually, I then use the, caffeine for more is like a brain enhancer i think and also if you feel better and like personally caffeine works very well for me i know some athletes you know caffeine makes them jittery nauseous or not being able to focus very well so they actually stay away from caffeine where for me personally caffeine works very well um, but it's just because we've tested it in training and use it strategically so i think that's the key to all of this as well is to always use anything that you do bring into your racing strategy is it has to have a strategic reasoning for coming into it mm. yeah that's a that's a really good point um i wonder sometimes if there's a also a bit of a placebo effect that goes with it like you know i remember like goo used to make these gels these espresso flavored gels <laughs> some people might know them. i'm not sure they make them anymore but you know they had say the same amount of caffeine in as a another gel which would be berry flavor and i just always for the life of me felt like the espresso flavor one just gave me a bit of a more kick you know <laughs> like i just felt like that it it just felt like now I have some caffeine in my body and you know I'm ready to go uh, versus a caffeine berry. I don't know. It didn't have the same. I didn't feel the same afterwards. <laughs> so I think I think definitely that that there's there might be a you know and I think it actually feeds in a little bit to the point Pierre, that we discussed last time with you know like these little tricks that you play with yourself to reward you for you know like say you're in long run I think you had this lint ball that you mentioned last time and for me it was the drawers in in this run and you know I think you know some of that elements also you know can have a big impact on your on your performance so so yeah it's quite quite insightful and are you guys planning to take what would your typical strategy be for for uh, introducing caffeine into your race strategy or or training would that be consuming it on the runs like in forms of gel or is there like is the different ways in which you consume it on the run yeah so everyone again there is individual but for me personally i don't enjoy you know straight gels too much especially your strong caffeine ones they tend to have a, a bad effect on my stomach so i've played around with caffeine tablets and um, they actually come in little capsules quite nice i can't remember which brand we have but there's a couple out there um and yeah to just take those strategically either if you know if you want to test it in training you can do it for an interval session just make sure it doesn't cause stomach cramps or something like that and then if you're all good um no no side effects then you can use it on your race so we tested it on a, a through the night camp in the drakensberg 
And what Pierre was saying about saving it for when you're feeling really sleepy, that's actually to do with your circadian rhythm. So, um, yeah, your kind of your body's natural sleep system. It kicks in most strongly between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. So just to be aware, if you are doing a 100 miler and, or more and going through the night or any through the night event, adventure racing, um, that's kind of the the best time to plan to use your caffeine products. It's between 2 and 6 a.m. So on that camp, um, I took one, I think it was like 3 a.m. when I was feeling really bad. And yeah, but it might be placebo. I think it's one of those things that can definitely have a strong placebo effect. But I felt much better within about 30 minutes. Um, and yeah, the, the lint ball, it's cool. It, you know, sugar has a a not so different effect to caffeine but your body doesn't actually process food um, and nutrition the same way during the night as it does during the day so again part of the circadian rhythm but it's more difficult to eat and digest food and get the the energy boost from it during the night than it is during the day so even during a race it's a natural tendency and probably a little bit better for your body um, to reduce your food intake slightly during the night and maybe use caffeine if you can to help with the, the cognitive boost and keeping you awake well that's that's really interesting and so i've never i never actually thought of that so i would have just thought well you're awake and you know that's just you know if you're awake in the night or in the day it would be the same but yeah that that's a really good point um might make you actually think that Maybe a strategy on these long distance events is to get the solid things like the solid foods down while it's still day and you're a bit more fresh and then have like a strategy where towards the back end or night you have a bit more uh, uh, easily consumable foods. Maybe then you start switching over to some gels or, you know, something that goes down quite easy versus maybe at the beginning you can maybe try and, and get a few solid food down. Um, yeah, anyways, just some, absolutely. Something, uh, thinking out loud. No, I would, I would say that's a, that's a good strategy. Try to get in your, the most of your nutrition, especially if your ultra run starts at like ten or eleven a.m. You know, you want to be eating your, kind of your late breakfast and your lunch and your evening meal all during the day. And then if you can have one good soup or meal at midnight, the rest of the night you'll hopefully be able to get through with. Uh, more snacks and things you know we all like to snack at night to help also just to keep us awake but nothing too heavy on the digestive system oh, that's oh, that's really good and then uh, when the sun rises then you have bacon and eggs you know <laughs> full full farmhouse breakfast full house yeah <laughs> for sure no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's really good good food for thought. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, you know, it's been again like as always. I just there's so much things to take away and and think about during the week, and especially with my race coming up in the next week or so. Um, you know, definitely some lessons or advice that you've provided over the last four or five episodes that I'll be incorporating. So thanks, you guys. I do. Uh, I think all our listeners and myself, I know Frederick as well, like, you know, we all do appreciate the knowledge you're sharing. It's an absolute pleasure and all the best for your event. Thanks so much for joining on this week's episode of the Mountain Ground Podcast. 
Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes, making sure that you stay caffeinated and keen for adventures.